Radio Network. Paragon 7 Studios. So every time Isaac comes in, he always lines up some fantastic interviews and kind of want to recap. That interview with um, Abdullah, Dr. Pratt. Pratt. Dr. Pratt. Dr. Pratt is, um, that thing chills up my spine, man, to, to listen to someone that actually treats the things that we see on TV and, and, and we look at it, we look at it as political theater, man. I'm, I'm looking at the South side of Chicago and seeing what's going on there. I'm seeing the, the far right use it to, to paint African-Americans as, as unstable people. I'm using uh, the, the far left is using the same series of crimes to, to look to strip people of the second amendment and everybody has their own agenda and who ultimately gives a bleep about the people that live this because I don't live it right you know I'm watching Fox News I'm watching Don Lemon on CNN I'm watching whoever's covering it I watch it for 10 minutes I'm like oh man that sucks I'm glad I don't live there and then I go to my nice neighborhood in in Hendersonville Tennessee where literally I I I left my keys I thought that I had the keys to my car and I misplaced them and I went to open the the door to my car and I didn't have the keys with me and I went back into my house to go retrieve the keys. I was only in there for 30, maybe 45 seconds. When I came out, there was a policeman at the car. And I came out, and he looked at me and said, is this your car? And I said, yeah. I was like, I was like is there a problem? He said, oh, well, I saw that the door was open. I was just driving by. I wanted to make sure that nobody was breaking in because we've had some break-ins. He wasn't a racist. He wasn't looking. He didn't think I was a criminal. He wasn't rude to me. He was polite. I was actually kind of rude to him because I'm a little antsy. I'm like... I'm like, man, I was just in there for 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 a minute, mm-hmm. and you're standing in front of my car. And he's like, hey, sir, I'm just doing my job. And I kind of backed off. I was like, hey, you know, thank you, because you care about our community. You mm-hmm. you saw a door open, and you know that there've been some car people breaking in, teenagers breaking into cars that are parked in front of houses, and and you wanted to check up on me to make sure that I was straight. You weren't mm-hmm. you weren't my enemy. You were my friend. You wanted to make sure that no one was breaking into my car or breaking into my house and you're doing your job. Well, that's not the that's not the experience that everyone has with police. Yeah. Other people view police is just like the the interview um, with Dr. Pratt. I'm having a PTSD issue. And the mother's afraid that if I call police or I call ambulance, I am I am I'm getting my son executed, especially when you have a son at six, seven, three and a half bills. That's that's a different animal altogether. Well, what what I got from that is the PTSD was from watching uh, from seeing someone be shot. Get shot and it, it made me think about we like when you said Can't you see the, you see the shootings on TV. Right. Someone's all got shot. But think about all the people that witnessed that. Right. Think about all the moms and sisters and right. brothers that saw that, and now someone's not in their home. It it it's a shockwave through the shock community. Wave. It's not just one person. That gets especially shot. if it's a friend. I saw somebody get, in the words of, of of Kevin Hart, I saw somebody get their muffin cap peeled back. <laughs> their their muffin cap back blue. I, I saw I saw that in Seattle. I saw somebody at a club. It's funny because you get older, you realize that I was at a club that happened to be across the street from my apartment when I lived in downtown Seattle. There was a club across the street, literally in walking distance. I was at the club. I saw a bunch of guys 
kind of having a discussion. They were all wearing red bandanas. And I was like, you know what? This is probably whatever's about to happen after this is probably not good. <laughs> so I left. I walked out as I was walking, which was maybe three minutes later, as I'm walking into the, the lobby of my apartment, I heard seven gunshots. So and then I got to my room and I peeked out. I could see the club from my room. Um, and I saw that someone get shot and I saw them load the person up and I saw their, their friends screaming and crying and, and all of that. And I remember they came and yellow taped the area off. It was the first time I've ever seen someone get killed and they came and yellow taped the area off. And I remember I wanted to move my car and the police was like, you can't move your car. Um, cause I was parked on the street and they're like, this is a crime scene. You can't move your car. You're not going to be able to move your car until forensics comes in. But just seeing that freaked me out. Mm-hmm. Seeing a complete stranger get clapped and get loaded up into the ambulance, that freaked me out. Um, and it freaked everyone that lived in the apartment out that this could happen to us. There are people that they live that every day. Every day. That's every day they hear gunshots. They're yeah. walking to school, they hear gunshots. They're getting off the bus, they hear gunshots. They're going to the deli to get something to eat or the local produce stand, they hear gunshots. That's just that's just a way of life for them. And and there's no one to, to talk to about right. that stuff. I talked to a mental health professional that said, you know, yeah, a, a lot of times you just, yeah, uh, boy, my, my, my good friend on the South side of Chicago, a lot of times you just need to sit with that pain with someone. Right. Yeah. You saw someone get shot. You saw someone carted out, even if you didn't know them, right. you got to sit with that uh, and process that. It, but instead we, we just keep on going. Go on. We just keep on going. Cause that's stuff to do this hustle, to work. this grind. And then it becomes normal. And then, and then, or actually, no, it doesn't ever become right, it doesn't normal. Become normal. It just, never should it, become normal. It just becomes expected. And that's why Great. you have to have, you know, to put a plug for Match Foundation. That's what you do. That's what Isaac does for, for those listening. If you're listening, especially on the Urban One feed, you really need to, to look at Match Foundation with two A's. And you need to, to check out Match it's Foundation. It's two C's. It's two C's. See, I got Minority it wrong. Minority access to comprehensive and coordinated okay. health care. All right. So you need to check out Match Foundation with two C's. I apologize. Because there's so much work being done on the south side of Chicago with, with these gentlemen, gentlemen like Isaac Palmer, leaders, people that are in the clinical field, and there's so many young people that are touched by this that need mental health evaluations, that need physical health support, that need. I've I've introduced Isaac to to my man Rick Witted at U.S. Hunger, and yeah, need SDOAs need food delivery, need produce. There there's so many. Um, it's it's so circuitous to to truly impact someone's healthcare. It's it's important. You you can't just do it in a vacuum. There there's so many hands that need to touch a, a young life or a family to make sure that, that they get their healthcare needs met. So, so you definitely want to check, check out match foundation. While I have Isaac with me, we've been doing, so I've had some really, really good interviews and um, you know, people that book for me are booking better interviews. We're getting um, some real superstars in healthcare. I always want to give Isaac a chance. There, there are some shifts in corporate America and Isaac is someone that's, you know, been a CEO at multiple healthcare organizations. I'm always curious. Uh, one of the things, the first thing you said to me, the first time I interviewed, I was like, I've got to keep Isaac around. You talked about authenticity. Hmm. And you, you said something that stuck with me. You said that when you were at Christus, one of the, one of the sisters pulled you in, and you, you're talking to one of the sisters, and they said, Sister Hannah, when you're not authentic, you are lying 
to your employees and you are lying to your colleagues. If you're not your true self, you're painting a picture that's false and you're a liar. And that always stuck with me because there's a difference between, hey, I'm going to emulate someone else because I think that's the status quo. And a lot of us, we try to do that. We, we, we look up to someone and we learn from someone and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of their style. And we don't think that we're lying. We just think that we're trying to, to fake it until you make it. And then you, you get better and you get more comfortable in yourself. But she says that you're lying if you're not your true self, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm curious of your thoughts of leadership in healthcare because people are at a, at a convergence of should we go back to the office? How are we handling HR issues moving forward? Um, there's, I see a lot of diversity officer jobs that are, that are, that are coming along uh, where you have chief diversity officers in healthcare. I had Allison Francis who, who went to Oakwood, not during your time. She's the CDO at Costco. Um, and, and an Oakwoodite, there are so many things that are changing from a corporate leadership structure. And I just wanted to pick your brain briefly about what are some of the trends that you're seeing in leadership with the circles that you run with people? Um, obviously, you have clinical people that you know, people that are in the C-suites, uh, people that are building networks. What are some of the trends, if anything, that jumps off the page that, that you're seeing? You know, I, I, I see a thirst for for getting diversity right and, okay. and 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 it not just being a cdo an office uh a pep talk every now and then talk, yeah. uh it, it's it's starting to be more than just implicit bias training right uh i've heard a lot of criticism about implicit bias training yeah i think it's trash uh, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't it, respect it, it at all it it all it does is diagnose right. the problem. It does not and, and it cure it's interesting. I, I went through that training and afterwards I talked to the conduct the, the, the guy that did the thing and I said, So now what do I do? Right. You know, because right. I'm I'm sense. black and, right. and I just took the test and right. you proved that even I have it implicit. Right. I mean we have I, I know I, have it. I definitely have it. Right. And so I said, Well, what do I do? Right. And he said, Well, you have, and he didn't have a good yeah. answer. Yeah. Uh, and so he scratched the surface, but the left the scab there. Yeah, so you, just, you can you can heal on your own. It's yeah, you just call right, me a racist. Right, How do right, I fix it? Right. So, uh, but I do I do feel and sense and 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 see a a real desire to do something that is meaningful. Yeah. Um. But but what what I'm paying attention to is meaningful means you got to dig deep, man. You you, you really got to you got to dig deep. And you might not like what and, you find and, and present real right. opportunities. Right. So when, in the corporate structure, when I say real opportunities, I'm talking about uh, blacks are at the bottom of the organization. You got to you got to yep. look to the bottom and and present opportunities for growth, for development, real opportunities. And I, I used to say all the time, we we have this look of what the next CEO looks like or what the next nurse manager looks like. And and those are the people that we tap to do these projects right. and stuff. No, they no, get no, in no. the pipeline because to be a CEO, you got to get, get the pipeline. You got to work on special projects. You got to get visibility. You got to get a chance to prove yourself. And if you don't look the part, you never get those chances. You yeah. never get to you can never get to sit at the table and, and prove yourself. So get out of that mindset. Look at your entire team. Mm. There is there is talent. There is smarts. That, uh, there are smarts. Uh, wisdom, mm. uh, growth. Uh, potential in your entire team but you've got to get out of your own head mm. that uh because the cno looks like this right. the next the next nursing supervisor is going to look like that as well
Network. The Cook's Nook Mosaic Meals and Mosaic Meals to go because everyone deserves a delicious, nutritious meal. We're a purpose-driven food and nutrition services group created to help organizations and their clients make meaningful improvements and advancements toward equitable access to proper nutrition and food security within their diverse communities. Contact us today to learn more about our nutritious, delicious mosaic meals at 512-710-6665 or online at mosaic at mosaicmeals.com. Rampage, the first lieutenant of the Universal Flipmode Squad. The construction Tims are classic in Philly they and are. New York. They are. Connecticut. James Lewis. I've never been to Connecticut, man. Connecticut, Jersey, you definitely from Uptown, New York. You're definitely Manhattan, from New York if you Harlem. shouted out Connecticut. You are listening to the Lance J Radio Network.